Hi, everybody. This is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the work that they do. Today, my special guest is Jill Burns of Nestbox Studio. Jill is a surface designer and illustrator, and she has had numerous clients such as Home Goods, Pistachio, and Trader Joe's. Hi, Jill. How are you doing today? Hi, Nancy. Thanks for having me. Yes, well, I am honored. Um, for those of you who are listening, Jill and I are in the same uh, critique group. We, um, or for surface design from Elizabeth Silver's um, surface design uh, business course. And we met through there. So I'm grateful for that. That was wonderful. And Jill, your work is, I loved your lookbook. So I went on your website. Mm-hmm. You have your lookbook up and I just love the use of color. And um, Jill has just a, it just it makes me happy when I look at the colors that you use. So um, <laughs> you're welcome. Well, I just and you've been so nice to share what you do and um, in our meetings that we have. And so I really appreciate that. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. That was the first lookbook I had done. And um, I liked it. I think it does uh-huh. well to sort of encapsulate one style. And so I'll probably do it as a seasonal kind of thing. Ooh, wow. Well, you have a huge body of work because I was reading your about page. It was like 70 plus collections of work. And that is phenomenal. I go like this, this uh, illustrator, surface designer has a deep passion. And I wonder, where did that start? Where did that come from? And how did you decide? I think probably like many artists, you have early memories of drawing and being encouraged for that. And then um, even in high school, you know, I don't know, high school is a difficult time for most adolescents. And so to find your your niche and, you know, mine was being interested in art. And then that just spurred on, you know, where I, I uh, studied art in college and just, you know, everything just sort of progressed from there. Not to say that it wasn't a, a twisted path to get from one thing to another but that's you know just sort of how it began just even as a child being encouraged by you know people saying oh you you draw so well you know that kind of thing that's awesome can I ask what you studied was it like specific to surface design or illustration it it wasn't I didn't hear about surface design until um relatively recently I studied Mm -hmm. painting uh, in the um, school that I went to was very much in the atelier kind of um, model. So it had, it was sort of classic in its approach to teaching the fine arts. Wow, that's great. Well, then can you tell us a little bit more than how that, um, you said it was kind of not a direct path into service design, uh-huh. but then what got you interested in doing that? And you, well, you, know, you know, I mean, some of it is, yeah. You know, as an 18, 19 year old deciding what they're going to do in college yeah. is not necessarily practical thinking. You know, you just are, oh, I'm interested in art. That's what I want to investigate more. But I didn't really have any sort of clear career goals. You know, it just, that just didn't even enter my head. So, after college, I ended up uh, working in a fine arts museum, more in an administrative role as a registrar, 
which is sort of like a librarian, but for works of art. So it's a lot of keeping track of where things are, where they've been, what kind of condition they're in, that sort of thing. But what was lovely is it allowed me to get into the storerooms that most people don't have access to and seeing all sorts of things, things that weren't necessarily deemed um, important enough to put on display, but nevertheless, very interesting. So, you know, it was just a really great way to absorb lots of visual information. And then uh -huh. from there, got married, we moved to another area, and um, this place had a, a really a world-renowned craft center. And I took up ceramics just because it seemed interesting. I, I think I gravitate towards making things, like uh, things that have a practical use. And um, I did that for many years. I started my own line of handmade ceramics and I opened a community studio um, so that we had some, you know, you know, artists say it's hard, they work in isolation. So this allowed us to share equipment as well as support one another. And, um, but it took its toll on me physically. It was, I, I had a wholesale line. I was making constantly. And um, I just reached a point where I said, I, I can't do it like this anymore. And that's when I sort of started to investigate what else can I do in this vein, you know, creatively without having to, basically produce the product and that's when I came upon surface pattern design wow because you've you've already got a really nice um body of work how long did that take you to make all those I mean how long have you been working well, you know, it, that's it, a lot it's a lot but you know you just do it constantly and before uh -huh. you know it you you have this um deep portfolio but then you know you uh -huh. look back on it and then some things you say you know I don't like this anymore this doesn't I can do better and and you end up maybe reworking something or eliminating it altogether. so it's you know it's just a process you know when you, I'm sure with everyone once you are doing it for several years before you know it you have a lot of work you know? Wow. Well, it's amazing that it, to me, I'm impressed because I go like, oh, I, I can't, I'm not that fast at working like that. But it's like everything just feels very cohesive. The work on your um, site. I love the color palettes that you're using and the motif. So I, I feel like, um, you know, what you talked about having that visual library of things that you have seen and just collected, it's kind of um, made its way into the work that you create and mm -hmm. all the things So you've run an art business. I mean, like, so it was probably just a natural segue to go into surface design because you had all that experience. Well, it, I, I guess I was sort of, I, as many people, I've heard other people yeah. say, it's sort of like, I, it just never even occurred to me. It's, you know, when you see patterns, well, of course, someone had to make that, draw that, design it. And it's so, you know, it's just, I guess, a, a thing I think about when I first started studying in college is, wouldn't it be nice to know all the ways you can have a creative life? 
You know, it's instead of, you know, just a very narrow, oh, you do art, so it's, you know, some kind of two-dimensional way of working, but there's all kinds of career paths within, you know, being a creative person. That's awesome. Well, I feel like you were set up for success then to go in and starting your um, surface design and illustration business, because I feel like for a lot of um, artists, the business side can be very hard to tackle. And um, was there anything that you found helpful that along the way, as you've done um, these different career paths that were art related, like, that helped you run your business as a well, I think you know uh, it, it's just I I don't take things personally if you get rejected okay. it's just it has nothing to do with you and how good your work is it's just not right for that um, brand or they're not needing it at that time you know so that I I think I have developed a, a pretty thick skin that way in that okay, I understand it's it's not the right fit. I carry on. I move on to the next thing. Um, and then business-wise, I do, it was a hard lesson to learn when I had my ceramic business, but just not underselling yourself. Uh-huh. It's so easy that to sort of devalue what you do and not charge enough and not, you know, and so that, um, I think has helped me is just don't devalue your work. It's, you know, it's something that not many people can do, you know, and it has real worth, you know, that's, yeah, that's awesome. And I noticed on your website, you were represented by Lisa Larson, I believe. Yes. And can you talk a little bit about your journey to getting um, a agent and how that's been like? Well, um, so I was getting very frustrated sort of pitching my work on my own. I don't think I do it well, and I'm certainly not good about follow-up and all these things that um, Elizabeth (laughs) told us we need to do. And I also was feeling that um, by being represented by an agent that I... think some art directors view that already as a vetting process that if you're represented just like in the literary field you've already sort of passed some level that you know what you're doing and that you know so that I thought that was really going to help in that one I wouldn't have to do so much Mm self-marketing something I didn't enjoy something I was not good at and that the agent can be this buffer that when they show work to art directors, they, you know, there doesn't have to be this sort of politeness about um, talking directly to the artist. They can just say, no, this, this is not for us, but you don't have to be worried about being so kind and hurting somebody's feelings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. So that I, I think some art directors, they that's a reason they like to work with an agent. Mm-hmm. They can see more work, different styles, but they can also just be more frank about what they're looking for. So in that regard, I, and then just the way I found Lisa is I just uh-huh. she was actually looking 
for artists to represent. So I, you know, I sent her a packet of work and we talked and, you know, it, it's worked out to be a good arrangement for, for us, I think. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Is, is, that, how it work, is that how it works with you and your literary agent or well, yeah, I mean, in in the sense that I do agree with you, I think an agent for literary agents, it does help with that vetting process. Um, I think with the editors in publishing houses, they're inundated with a lot of submissions. So like you said, if there's an agent who's kind of saying, well, these these uh, writers who have these works of avail manuscripts available or book dummies that um, they've already had some vetting going on. And so um, that. I think helps the editor feel a little bit more confident about because they have to then pitch it themselves to an editorial board. And so they got to feel like, oh, well, you know, this is worth, you know, going to bat and they love it. Um, as far as uh, with finding an agent, I think for me, I just got really lucky for children's books. They have like this hashtag and we post these digital postcards, this kid lit art postcard and I had um done one and I posted it and I did it on Twitter and then a other another illustrator who saw it retweeted it and then like eight other illustrators retweeted it and then so then my agent reached out and said would you you know want representation we had a conversation on all that so yeah I I think um there's so many different ways of how that works, but I do think um, what you mentioned, it is helpful. And um, it does help to have an agent who they have like a lookbook and they'll send that out to editors and art directors so they can see new work um, mm -hmm. every year. So, yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's helpful. Yeah. And then negotiations as well. So yes. that, yes. that's, I think that's helpful too, because even though, you yeah. know, there is a fee in a sense associated with working with an agent because they take a large percentage. Generally, they can negotiate a higher price than you might be able to on your own. So, you know, there's that advantage and it, get, it takes it off your plate, you know, so. And hopefully more time to create. <laughs> That's the hopeful goal. <laughs> So I was wondering, so beyond having your agent, um, what are some other marketing um, things that you found helpful that listeners yeah, might? You know, I, I'm not, as I said, I'm really not good at it. And, and so, of course, I do the Instagram and I try and do it regularly. Not always successful at the, that, but I try. Mm -hmm. And I, this year I uh, made a little um, calendar what I call a potpourri of patterns. So each month had sort of a pattern collection. And I sent that to some fabric companies. And just because I do think having a physical um, thing arrive makes an impact more than just sending emails. And um, a goal I had for this year was to reach out to one um, company art director a month. I just thought that was something attainable. <laughs> and I gotta say, I fell off. I didn't I didn't meet the goal towards the end. I said, oh, my agent is reaching out to so many. I'm just not gonna do it this month. So even that for me is a a, a hard thing to achieve, but I know it's necessary, you know, 
if people have to see your work in order to want to work with you. So um, I try. It's a goal. <laughs> that's all. But that's awesome that you're like making it and sending it out. I, I feel like, you know, there's always that feeling like, is it is it going to work? Did I just waste my time? <laughs> like, or I, I equate it to throwing darts um, at a dartboard in a black hole. <laughs> like sometimes you're just throwing and you're like, I don't know if it's like. so often you hear nothing Mm -hmm. so you don't even get the feedback of this isn't right for us but we'll keep you in mind or anything you never even get that you get you just hear zero and that's hard that's you know hard to to make any adjustments in your approach you know well it's good advice and thank you for your honesty about you know sending things out I think um we as you know or anybody on social media we always want to portray all the best the greatest and all the wins and then um so you know I don't think people want to necessarily post their things that aren't quite working out so it's good to hear some (laughs) honesty about like you know it takes patience I think that was one of the biggest things that I feel like I've learned this process of building an art business you need a lot of patience it takes a lot longer than you know you think it will you know that it just it's a it's a persistent kind of approach rather than um you're just going to hit it big instantly i just don't think that really happens i just think it's little wins that then start to accumulate just like you were describing how your agent ran across your work it was just this sort of network and that's what got you noticed and you know your work out in front of lots of people along the way so that you know and and so you just have to believe that the network is going to um you know pay off eventually so i was wondering as far as when you're creating your collections and you're you know even picking out the ones that you selected because you have such a big body of work and for your calendar like what kind of runs through your head? Like, what are some of the, like, things that you're thinking about as you're putting these patterns together and making them feel so cohesive? Because the it, it, the colors work very well. Like, I really love your color palettes. Yeah, I, I the color palette, I just think these are colors I'm drawn to. Uh-huh. I took a course by uh, Victoria Johnson. Have you heard of her? Oh, she, they're, they're wonderful courses. They're organized really well. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things she has you do is um, come up with a personal palette. So just by um, looking at lots of images, things that you like, you start to form what colors you're just drawn to. And so I think that's where the the palette, the cohesiveness of the palette sort of arrives from is this personal palette that I sort of work from. And, um, but it's just like a natural thing. It's just, these are colors I like. These are colors I respond to in some way. Yeah. Awesome. And then are you also like, because I know when we took Elizabeth Silver's class um, and also on her YouTube channel, she kind of mentioned about like sometimes the things that we want to see and or what we, you know, we always have to think about the client's needs. And um, 
Sometimes it's the state and true things. Do you find that to be um, true as well? I, you know, I, I do this, you know, coming from sort of this fine arts background where you're just supposed to, you know, create whatever you're feeling, you know, to thinking about it as this is work that's commercially viable. So keeping um, track of trends, it's important that, um, these manufacturers are very risk averse because it costs a lot of money to produce whatever they're they're making so they're they look at trends carefully and they also um will want to make things they they know have sold well in the past so although it may be new it's not radically different than what they have done in the past they they want to hedge their bets and what's going to sell well so that i have been trying to really examine of what's trending colors you know images all those sorts of things i think is really important and then the other thing i've noticed is timing when are they looking for certain things because like you it's mentioned they get inundated with lots of pitches from individuals agents everywhere and if it isn't what they're looking for in the moment they're not trying to to you know fill whatever their christmas their um spring whatever they're working on at the time it basically goes by the wayside so you have to also understand their their calendar and give them things that they're looking for now. So that that is was a hard lesson. It's just trying to figure that out. You know? I agree with you because I thought it would be hard finding the people that you're gonna send to, which was a challenge, but then it was harder knowing like, oh, I sent this, but that wasn't the right time. And they weren't even looking for anything because they'd already bought everything. And I was like, ooh. I just didn't realize. So you're you're very right. And I think, um, and that's in any uh, commercial art field, like children's books has certain windows that they're buying because then they have to turn around, design it, make it, you know, do all that, market it. So they build in time for that. And that was something that I didn't really learn until after I was like, oh, I need to do my research. I need to really make sure so that it lands. You know, not that it'll always land, but it might have more success. Right. You have a better chance if you are sending them something when they're looking for it rather than, you know, I mean, it's not to say that they could just fall in love with what you're doing and they'll remember you for when they are in that part of their cycle. But you'll do a lot better if you if your timing can match up with theirs. That's true. And that's such a good point about the volume, because I think that it's it's hard to remember if I was an art director just getting inundated, like how do you remember it? Because it's like, you just keep seeing more and more. Um, yeah, that would be so difficult to remember. Cause yeah. Yeah, and I think, it, and the field I think has exploded of late. I, I'm not sure why exactly. People have said, oh, well COVID, everybody was staying home and they sort of started to launch this um, for themselves. I'm not sure, but I know the field really has exploded with very talented people so that, you know, art directors have, you know, difficult choices. 
it's not, you know, taking a chance on somebody new is, is more risky than going with somebody they've worked with before and all these sorts of things, you know? So mm -hmm. again, it's like, it's just persistence and patience. <laughs> so my next question, then how do you stay persistent and motivated to keep going? Is there any tips or advice that you could give listeners? Well, I would say, you know, the way I create things, that's always been easy. I, you know, I can keep a little list of some ideas that have cropped in and then I'll pick ones that I want to really explore. And there's a whole process of, you know, just brainstorming and then researching um, images and things like that to, to, to start a collection or something like that, staying motivated on the marketing side, I find very challenging because like I had mentioned just this, that you send it out into the universe and you often just get nothing back, good or bad. And that is very hard for me. I, I mean, I'll take the bad. I really will, but it's just sort of feeling ignored is the worst. So I do struggle with motivation that way. And I think, again, that's why I moved towards working with an agent because I think that has help for someone to be the middleman for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, but artistically, uh, there's, you know, I, so far, knock on wood, I haven't mm -hmm. sort of run out of ideas. I, I, I have more ideas than I have time to sort of execute. So. That's awesome. Is there anything that you've um, had licensed or sold? And you were kind of surprised. I was kind of curious, like, you were like, I didn't know that that would do as well. Is there, has there ever been something that you were like, oh, that's all, but I, you know, the, the, but there was that other collection you, you spent like so much time and it's like, yeah, is there ever, yeah, it's like it, that? And often I, yeah. I do, I do think I say, geez, that one took me so much less time really? that I almost feel like I dashed it off. I didn't really, but it, yeah. you know, it, it feels like that. And so I think, oh, am I, am I like overworking things? Should I just, you, know, and you, you second guess yourself so much, but um, yeah, I do feel that the, the things that people seem to respond to the most are the things I feel I was quick to do. I don't know. I don't know what that's about, I, I, but um, yes, there have been times when I said, that's the one you picked. Okay. We'll go with it. <laughs> Yeah, it's still, it sells. Yes, right, right, right. And how do you manage, like, um, because as an independent artist and you're working, though, you, you know, how do you manage, like, the balance of still leaving your studio? Because you have all these endless ideas that you could be working with. And, you know, that thrill you get when you're like, oh, I'm really digging the bag. I, I should, you know, maybe take a break. You know, how do you kind of... Yeah, sometimes, you know, you, you think you have a great idea and you start to work it out and it's just not happening. And you, I just, I just have to stop. I'll take a walk. I'll sometimes I'll abandon it altogether for a while and come back to it because, um, sometimes your brilliant idea just doesn't, um, work out in reality, but, <laughs> but, uh, um, I mean, work-life balance, I mean, I'm in a different sort of stage in my life than other 
people might be that are younger that have family kids they have to juggle my you know i'm it's i just my my time isn't as um fragmented as some so i i you know work-life balance isn't as challenging for me i think because i can i just don't have as many things to juggle you know i have a job paycheck job and I have this and my kids are grown and, you know, so, so it's easier. I just like to say to people that have young families is it really gets better. It really gets better when you don't have so much on your plate, you know? Well, I just am amazed. Like you've had different businesses, you've done all these things. I I mean, like, wow, you've gone like gangbusters. I, I just like amazed. You just like pivot and you you do what your, you know, your passion and your heart tells you to do and you you've been successful at it. Was there anything that you feel like made you like was it just a heart-driven thing or mind or did you pros and cons? I mean, do you like Well, like I the the when I sort of discovered this thing called surface pattern design it just like it's like for me it it was a big light bulb moment because it's sort of like yes I'm I I was making product I was hand making it but I was making it and that is the thing that um that I think makes sense to me is making things people are going to interact with on a daily basis to me, I think that's important, what you surround your home with and things like that. So when I discovered there was a whole field in which art was made for product, I said, well, that's that's something that I, I really want to learn more about, you know. So how was it that feeling when you sold that first one and then you got your samples or, you know, how did that feel for you? Oh, it's, or could you it's, tell us about oh, it's it? a fantastic feeling. It really is. It's such a validation. It's, oh. it's um, a wonderful feeling. And I wish it, it comes with more regularity, you know, because it's hard. There's a lot of in between when nothing is getting picked up or whatever, but um, it's, it's, it just never gets old. It's it's a great feeling to, awesome. you know, to see it out there in, in the wild. Yeah. And then to feel it and touch it. Because I feel like when it gets put on a product, it gets it's so dimensional. It it gets chained, whatever it is, the card, a rug, uh ceramics or whatever, or a bedspread. And then you it's I don't know, it's just amazing to me, like that tac- tactile aspect and then the functionality is great, but it yeah. just like I don't know. It's just really exciting. <laughs> I put a form and function kind of um, way of people that use it. I mean, this is material culture, you know, how we, you know, you know, the bedspread we choose is, is like a big deal. It's, it, it influences, you know, our home and, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't want to make it sound lofty, but um, I do think it's important. Yeah. <laughs> And is there a favorite, uh, because there's so many different applications for your designs and illustrations. Do you have a personal favorite that, you know? Well, I I, I do find that greeting cards, I'm, I'm liking designing more and more. Mm-hmm. However, I would love to have um, some work on s- some kind of tableware. Ooh. Because I did that in the handmade way. I would love to 
collaborate with a company, even if it was uh, upscale paper plates. I I would love to um, see my work sort of, you know, go full circle in a way um, and have that on, um, you know, whether it be ceramics or, but some kind of tableware. That has not happened, but I'd, I'd really like to see that happen. Well, I'm sure it will. They'd be lucky and fortunate to have their, your work on their tableware because it's so, so the colors are just very, I don't know, it just makes me happy. So if you're in an environment with happy colors and like, yes, you know, the motifs are great. It changes your mood. It sure yeah, does. Yes. I feel like, I feel like I'm in a spring summery feel when I look at your work and I go like, Oh, that and it does. It uplifts you in a way. The colors, the things that are you know artistically surrounding you. So, yeah, I think I did. I think it can help your mood to be around. I do. Oh, I totally agree. Totally. Um, and you know, just what you might you know wear in terms of clothes. These these choices they seem mundane, but they really um, influence who you are. They really um, they do. Yeah. So if you could go back into time in a time machine and go back to your earlier self yeah. and give yourself some advice about this art career journey you've had, because it's been varied. It's been, man, it's, it sounds like a wild ride. I kind of wish I could have been on your shoulder and just like, Oh, what's she doing now? Oh, what's she doing there? Like, is there <laughs> advice that you could have, you would give your younger self? Well, you know, it's hard because the road would be um, twisty, turny, no matter what I knew, whether I knew it now or, you know, when I was younger. But I do think having, you know, some kind of way to understand what is available to have a creative life. What is the whole picture that, um, you know, I mean, I mean, when I went to school, it, the message I got was you could be a fine artist or you could be a graphic designer mm -hmm. and um, that, but that's just not the case. There are so many ways that you can express yourself creatively and earn a living. And I, I do wish that I knew more of the landscape of what my choices were and what make, might make sense for me. But otherwise, I know whatever I would have done, it would not have been a straight path. So. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And my last question is about like gratitude. Is there anything during your career that you would want to mention that you're grateful for? Um, I, I'm very grateful for my family. They are so supportive. I have two daughters and my husband and they are just my biggest cheerleaders and I just, I, I'm just so thankful that they um, are, are, you know, they lift me up if I'm ever feeling, you know, like, what am I doing here kind of thing. And so that is really, I'm very grateful for them. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And because this is a podcast, Jill, and we can't see your work, where can listeners go and check out? Um, I think that probably the best place is my Instagram, Nestbox Studio, because that's really when where I'll post current things, things I'm working on, or even announce if, you know, some 
something is getting released or or whatever. Um, and then I have my website too. But I think the Instagram is probably for, um, and I'd love some follows. So anybody that wants to follow me, it'd be great. Well, I will put a link in the description box of the podcast. People can check it out. And then the last question, because I just thought of this one, where does the, because I've seen a lot of surfers designers, they do their name. And I was wondering, what's the story behind next nest box? My, my um, ceramics line was called early bird designs. And that was because I am an early bird. I have always, even as a teenager, just, I, I get started early in the day my evening hours I'm useless honestly and so um when I decided I was going to sort of uh start this surface pattern design route um I just was trying to make some connection between early bird designs and so nest box are basically bird houses so that that's where it came from well thank you uh again Jill and <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to My Creative Life. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Nancy.